0: The Science Show on RN. Now, can it be true, rock and fossil collectors tasting their samples? Wouldn't it put your tongue at great risk? Well, this emeritus or retired professor has taken out an ignoble prize as he's made people laugh and think. He's with Shelby Trainer.
1: I'm Jan Zelishevich. I'm an emeritus professor of paleobiology at the University of Leicester in the UK.
2: And so, eating fossils—it's not just a great title. It actually has <laughs> a use. Can you describe to me what that use is?
1: Well, the, the use these days, you know, especially if you like geologists of the old school, is that when you collect rock samples in the field, if they're dry and you look at them with a hand lens, then. You don't always get that much out of them. You have all kinds of surface reflections and stuff like that. But if you lick them, then it's a bit like varnishing them. The little bits of mineral and any bits of fossil in them can stand out more clearly. So you have a better idea of what the rock is and what it means and how it formed, you know, all this sort of thing. Mm. It's an old trick of the field
2: and is it something people would still do or is there better practices now
1: many of my colleagues still do it a few of them emailed in after the ignoble to say you know that they were doing it not long ago or even that they could recognise some kinds of layers of sediment or rock by taste, which is what they used to do in the olden days, which is a little surprise discovery I made a few years ago.
2: Could you take me through the surprise discovery?
1: The surprise discovery was reading one of the classic papers of the late 18th century, written by an Italian he called himself a mineralogist. There wasn't really such a thing as geology then. And this was Giovanni Arduino. And he worked advising people who were trying to set up mines and quarries and things like that. And he basically had to improvise geology for himself. And he worked out in the hills around northern Italy the basis for what we now call the geological timescale. And he wrote about this to a colleague. And these letters, in the end, they were the beginning of the geological timescale we now use. But I read them because it only just been translated into English for the first time. And amongst all of that, Arduino was describing how different kinds of rock and mineral had different kinds of taste. And how he found this really useful in telling one apart from another. And some were tasted sour, some acid, you know, some burned the tongue. With some of them, he burnt the rocks first or heated them because that also helped develop the taste, if you like, of these rocks and minerals. And it's a, it's a skill he had. And it's a skill we've mostly lost, mostly completely lost these days. Now we just use it for sight, you know, to help us look at the rocks. But back then it, it was, it was if you like, a, an early form of geochemistry.
2: Yeah, I was wondering if you'd ever intentionally used taste as a tool.
1: The classic example is rock salt. And this is something you tell all the students in in the first year. Rock salt is a white or colourless clear mineral, and it looks by sight like one of many other. It looks a bit like quartz or like calcite, you know, like apatite or something like that. But you taste it. And of course, it's rock salt, you know, so that is still an example. But there are other, I I mean, a a colleague wrote in just after the prize was announced, and he's a, a lake scientist. He looks at the history of lakes through the sediments. And he said that some of his colleagues can identify particular layers of the lake by taste. And probably there are other examples out there. I mean, it's stuff that you normally wouldn't write about these days in formal descriptive scientific papers. You know, it's just something you would do. Licking a clean rock, by and large, is not particularly risky.
2: And finally, what was your reaction to winning the prize?
1: Oh, I mean, it was a terrific surprise. I was completely amused by it. It's a really obscure article, you know, that I write these two or three times a year for my colleagues and and they get published in. And I write them mainly for, uh, like the Nobel, the gig Nobel, for, for fun, but with a little bit behind the fun. And somehow Mark Abrahams and his colleague dug it out and decided they liked it. And it puts a bit of light on the areas of science which normally are there just in the background. I think it helps, shows that scientists are human as well, which is quite nice.
0: Hmm. Was there any doubt? Jan Zelishevich, Ig Nobel Prize winner with Shelby Trainer, And for more on the Ig Nobel Prizes, look up Improbable Research. It's all there.